everyone. Welcome to Lacrosse Now. That is Travis Eldridge. I am Tom Eschen wrapping up a big weekend, a chaotic weekend. The most yeah. chaotic weekend we've <laughs> had all year of lacrosse. It was incredible from not only the men, but the women, the NLL. It was wild. It was great. Yeah, we definitely saw everything coming if you listen to Thursday's show. I mean, a couple and things here and there we got right. And we, we'll, we we'll also be transparent. Got we got some things wrong, too. Don't worry. I got, sure a you lot, did. I got a lot wrong. Mostly the Syracuse lock of the century <laughs> of the week. Lock it of was, the week. It wasn't good. Any, yeah, uh, for the okay. orange, but anyway. I, hey, that's why we do. That's why they play the game. Yes, it, it was a fun weekend of college lacrosse. We're going to break it all down. Yeah, we've got um, some good guests coming on. The, yes. One of the, the craziest uh, results was actually, I'm giving myself props. You had this I one. didn't call a win, but I said that Yale would not cover against Penn State. Penn State beat Yale. So the, the spread was like five and a half. I thought that was ridiculous to begin with. But we do have the goalie of Penn State. He's been playing awesome. Alaric Fayak, um, who was really good once again. Yeah, 21 saves for him, from him. He joins us uh, coming up later in the show. Also, uh, Kat Berry from Duke off to a great start in her grad student year. The Blue Devils off to a hot start. They got Syracuse coming up this weekend. So we'll catch up with her and some NLL power rankings mm, to finish right. the show. Yeah, that's exciting. So all that's coming up. But we're going to start in the men's game. And Tom, I was... Doing an exercise, I was, I, I was listening to a podcast during uh, my run the other day, and uh, I, I was listening to the NBA stuff, and I started to thinking of these NBA teams, and it got to me to thinking about some of the college lacrosse teams we have, and there are, honestly are some really interesting comparisons to where NBA teams are this year compared to last year, and where we, we see some of these college lacrosse teams where they are this year compared to where they were last year, and so I thought, let, let's do some comparisons. So here we go. NCAA got men a lot of notes versus NBA <laughs> team comparison. How long was the run? Uh, six miles. Okay. Right. So I had a bit of time, time to brainstorm here, and then I, I jotted some notes down. So we're going to start with the champs. We're going to start with Virginia, two-time okay. reigning defending champs. Who you got for them? They're the Milwaukee Bucks because champs and champs, obvious one here, but there are a lot of other similar similarities. Number one, how about Connor Schellenberger? Obviously highly regarded last year in the regular season. He was good, just like Giannis Antetokounmpo. But it wasn't until the postseason where both kind of went from being very, very good and thought of as like one of the good players in the country to being elite. Hmm. Because Giannis in that playoff run for the Bucks last year, and especially what he did in the finals down the stretch, making all those free throws in the clinching game, very similar to what Schellenberger did in the NCAA tournament, uh, breaking the NCAA tournament uh, a record for points in a tournament, obviously uh, end up being the most outstanding player in the tournament, and both off to good starts here this year. Schellenberger, five-plus points in every game so far, including a big performance against Syracuse, three goals and four assists, one of his best of the year in that 20-11 win this weekend that I did not see coming. But I think the similarity here this year is, though, Virginia's not the number one team, Correct. despite the fact that they've held serve, destroy Syracuse, and it's still Maryland and some other teams. Georgetown getting a lot of recognition, deservedly so. But just like the Bucks, who are sitting there, kind of the, the middle part of the playoff push in the Eastern Conference in the NBA, despite the fact that the defending champs maybe not as much respect as they probably deserve. So that's my Virginia and Bucks. Comparison. Yeah, I think that you also have similarities this year with some injuries. The Bucks have dealt with injuries this year, and yeah. Virginia's been a little banged up too. Yeah, for so sure. So I think that that's a reason that you haven't seen either of those teams, the Bucks or Virginia, peak yet. 
You know, yes. I, don't, I don't think the Bucks have just yet, and that's why they've been overshadowed by other teams that might have peaked a little earlier. But uh, that's the, the different story. At the same time, Virginia, a team that, like we've seen last year, a team that gets better as the regular season and the postseason goes on. And that's a pretty good comparison. And I think that the Bucks had sort of had glimpses of that. Like we saw Virginia have glimpses of winning in the past and didn't have actually able to get over the hump. Last year was the time they were able to do it, just like Virginia the last couple times now around. And this Virginia win over Syracuse, to me, mm. just... I mean, look, it's in Charlottesville. It's at home. All the reasons to be pumped up. But to do what they did against the Orange, like in a series that is always tight, no matter where these teams are in any given year, for them to put the pedal down in the second half like they did, because Syracuse made the run. Yeah. The run that you know I think 12, a lot of people expected. 12-9. Yeah. All right. Orange back in the game, and Virginia said, uh-uh. Not today. I mean, between him, Matt Moore being back healthy after missing the Towson game was a, a big addition to have back. And, I mean, this team is just – they've got guys and guys and guys in the midfield that are contributing. And I, I think the depth – Lars Tiffany had mentioned that uh, at heading into that Towson game when I spoke to him. The depth they have is maybe what will set this Virginia team apart for maybe a couple of the other teams because they're – their number of players that can contribute in that midfield especially is a large number. They're going seven, eight deep. And you need experience, too, to go yeah. along with that. I mean, anybody have a lot of talent, but you have experience winning in big games, and that's exactly how you get the job done at the end of the year. For sure. All right, what's next? All right, next up, uh, I'm going to stick with a team that was in the championship last year, Maryland. And they're the Phoenix Suns. Once again, obvious considering what happened at the end of the year. Suns get to the finals, ended up losing to Milwaukee, I think Maryland, Maryland loses to Virginia in the championship game. But I think this year is where the similarities really kick in because look at Phoenix. They're atop the West right now. They look like, in terms of regular season, best team. That's what we're getting from Maryland. I mean, they are just taking care of business. That's why they're the number one team in the country, why they're getting a majority of the number one votes because it's, I mean, while Virginia is still my number one team with what I've seen, it's really hard to argue with anybody who votes Maryland number one. Because no. they have been dominant in every game they've played. That Loyola game obviously stands out as, as really important. Suns, similar. They're 49-12 and 12 as of this taping on Tuesday. They're six games ahead of Golden State for first place in the West. The question, though, for both becomes, do you, can you win the big game at the end of the year? So that's for Phoenix. It's can you get back to the finals and this time get it done with the pieces they have? Because it's a very similar team that they had a year ago. For Maryland, now they added some new pieces. It's, it's you know, like if Jared Bernhardt was there, Chris Paul. Yes. You know, it, like you don't have Jared Bernhardt back. So there's obviously some I mean, and some Chris things. Paul is hurt right now. Right. So there's a depth comparison I guess there as well. Chris Paul, there. they're not going to have him during the stretch run, and they don't know when he could possibly be back. So you don't have one of your best players to, to stir that pot. But the question will become for Maryland, can you get all the way back and win it? Because the team is certainly there. They have been as impressive as anybody and the regular season, I don't think the Terps are going to have to prove anything to anybody. The question will be come May. Yeah, and you go up against some other good teams again. And I think that you have any path to being, getting back to somewhere where you haven't won before, make, but even that much harder, yeah. knowing that you were there and you couldn't get it done, and now you have to go back and do this, go through the same gauntlet again is never that easy. And Maryland's had to do that the last few years now. And, and I think that that's been really tough on them. And, you, you know, it's weighed on them a little bit. You saw how hard it was for Yale to come back and do it again. Really and hard. Same, and they had won it before, of course, but then you have to come back and try to win it again. It's, it's very difficult to do twice. And that shows you how good Virginia has been the last couple times around. And can Maryland be the team that 
knocks them off or another team that's primed like a Georgetown to do so. And of course, maybe you want to compare like Georgetown to like Golden State Warriors in this capacity, but that's Travis's oh, I've, thing. I've not got mine. Georgetown but coming up. I'm sure you have them coming up. I'm I just do. saying that if you're, if you're looking at these comparisons, there are other people at the table trying to do the same thing that you are. I will say Logan Wisnowski is doing his best Devin Booker impression oh. so far this year. He's got five plus points in all four games so far this season. He's been really impressive. Jonathan Donville, one of his best games of the year so far, four goals in the win over Princeton. I think that Princeton win is going to look really impressive at the end of the year. I think Princeton's for real with the that, talent that, was, that they That have. was the game I was watching this weekend. It was yeah. great. Yeah. I, Prince, that Princeton win, actually, when you look back at this in the first four, may go down as what is the most impressive yeah. win for Maryland today. Yeah, absolutely. All right. All right. Moving on. Uh, moving on. Let's go to the darlings of college lacrosse to start the year. The Jacksonville Dolphins. <laughs> and for me, you kind of like the Cleveland Cavaliers. Okay. In case you, if you're not following the NBA, you may completely forget that since LeBron has left, the Cavaliers are still a team. And they're in the mix big time. <laughs> yeah. They're currently tied with Milwaukee in the standings in the East. Similar how to Jacksonville, if you haven't been paying attention to college lacrosse here at the beginning part of the season, you'd be probably really surprised to see the Dolphins in the mix with the likes of North Carolina, Notre Dame, Duke, but they're right there in the, in the top ten with all of them, and deservedly so. You go up early against Denver this past weekend, 5-2. to two. They give up that lead. So they trail 6-5 to five in the middle part of that game, and then they turn it right around to go ahead. I believe it was 10-7, to seven, and then they held on down the stretch to beat this Denver Pioneers team. To me, that is almost as impressive as the Duke win, considering what's at stake. Like, you've already proven it by beating Duke and saying, all right, we're for real. But to back it up and to take Denver's best shot at home, a team that obviously, while they've got some different pieces in there, it's a program that's done it before. And so to take Denver's best shot at home, and despite the fact you give up the lead on four straight goals, you respond and go ahead again, I think shows uh, terrific um, calm and presence for a team that hasn't been here before. No. And I think you can take that back to the senior leadership, the guys like a Max Walbaum, obviously, who's transferred in, and to John Galloway. It says a lot about what this program's done. I guess the question is, can a team that's new to the party really indeed crash the party at the end of the year? And from the wins they've gotten and, like you said, the response they've shown – you have seen that, and if you're going to compare them to the Cavs, there's a lot of people that say, yeah, they could win the East. So as soon as you get that belief and you do it, and I think that's what you get in the NBA is a longer regular season, you're like, oh, this team's still good like four months in. They're still winning games. And right now you sort of have that. Of course, it's a shorter season for lacrosse, but we're in the month of March. Jacksonville's a top-10 team, and they haven't shown signs of letting up. This isn't just a one-off. And in the lacrosse world, I don't, I don't really know what the right comparison, but maybe a Boston College on the women's side as a team that developed quickly and then got there, and then finally, of course, it took them a while to win it. Um, Yale, maybe a team that developed quickly, got there, and won it at the same time. I think that could be the comparison. A team that's new to the party that's able to actually get the job done. And I think that Jacksonville, why not at this point in the year? You can't doubt them because they haven't given you a reason to. For sure. Maybe in their yeah. past history, but if I'm looking at this right year, now, this month of February, Jacksonville's a top 10 team. Yeah, they played Hopkins tough. They lost the season opener on the road. And from what we've seen from Hopkins, that's nothing, not like that, that loss is going to hurt you. I think Hopkins at the end of the year is going to be somewhere in the mix of the Big Ten. And then they've won every other game, and you've got road wins at Duke and Denver. Those are impressive wins. And I, I have to mention Jacob Greiner from this past weekend. 
12 goals in the two games. He had a sock trick in each, six goals each in, on back-to-back days. It's really hard to score six goals in a game. It's even harder to do it in two straight games. Even more difficult to do it on back-to-back days. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. It's very impressive. One more thing I'll yeah. say about it. You, you gave me a little bit of a hard time after Jacksonville's win over Duke because I made it seem like a bigger deal than maybe you thought or whatever. Yeah. But at some point, you have to imagine, the, the kids that are at the top of the recruiting rankings are probably going to go to the same places every year. Yeah. We know that. But as the game and the sport grows and, and goes beyond the tra- traditional hotbeds, you're, you have to hope that examples like Jacksonville will continue on because the talent pool is bigger. So the, the difference between the top and those middle tiers and whoever the talent might be, you'd hope it's a little more spread out because the, 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 the difference from the top to the bottom, there's more in the middle. You know what I mean about, about yeah, all that? Well, so you have to hope that this can happen at places like Jacksonville that are still getting really talented lacrosse players over time and that they can be an example and, and maybe be a trailblazer here that this can happen at any for anyone at any time. Well, and I think you see the, how they've used the transfer portal. It's that the perfect too. example yeah. because if a guy contributes somewhere but loses that job, being able to be a Jacksonville and say, hey, you know what, maybe it – you didn't maybe go into North Carolina. Like, look at their goalie in, in Luke Milliken. Mm-hmm. If going to North Carolina didn't really work out, and you're still a great lacrosse player, come here, earn your – we're not going to give you anything, but earn your way onto the field like he has, and look look what he's doing. He's, he's showing up and, and having a terrific start to the year. Scored a goal. Scored a goal this weekend. Scored a goal this weekend. I mean, Against come on. Air Force. It Huge. was great. <laughs> so, I, I think that is also – recruiting – First off, I think it can make a difference, but it's also in the transfer market. It's, hey, if you didn't quite get what you were looking for out of the experience at X place, come here, get a different experience and, and play. And I think that's what's important for a lot of people who love the sport and want to see it grow is more faces, new people to the party. And we're doing NBA comparisons. I think that's what a lot of people were asking for in the NBA for a long time right. when it was Cavs Warriors for like five straight years. So if you get more of this, I would love to see that movement going forward. If this can be something that Jacksonville does. Okay. Speaking of new faces to the party, I've got another comparison of an NBA team that was kind of a new face to the party this past season. We're going to go with Loyola Greyhounds. And the Atlanta Hawks, Hmm. obviously last year, the Hawks surprising a lot of people by beating the Sixers in the uh, Eastern Conference semis. They get to the Eastern Conference finals. They come up just short. But everything had set up for the Hawks to go, coming into this year, to go, oh, hey, this is a team to to beat in the East. You, You look at everything they had coming back, obviously what they did at the end of the year and their performance. But then they struggled to start this season. Now, some injuries and stuff have played a, have played a role in that. And the COVID issues, uh, I think, hit them pretty hard in, when it was kind of affecting everybody in the NBA. But it's the same thing with Loyola. Like, you walk into the year, and you think of the Greyhounds, and there's a reason they were top 10 in the preseason. I love them. Because they had everything coming back. Like, this was a team that was very, very close to being in the Final Four. They were a goal away from being in the Final Four and now they're 0-3 to start the year, including getting smacked by Maryland to, to start. A couple of one-goal losses. Um, but to me, it's, it's very similar. It's, it's almost like they were bored to start the year. Similar to what they, I think it was uh, it, the Hawks came out and said it was like, it, it's not the same intensity. Right. And you bring everybody back and you kind of walk into the preseason. And it's really no fault of anybody. But you walk into the preseason and you think, okay, well, we did it last year at the end of the year. We're going to just carry a pick up where we left off. And it's not that easy. And I think sometimes when you're playing in May intensity 
and then you come back in February, it's really hard to have that same intensity. Now, some teams do it really well. Other teams don't do it well. And I just don't think Loyola's quite had it. They were much better against Rutgers. It's a one-goal game against a Rutgers team that is proving to be pretty good this year. But there are still a lot of things they need to figure out. I, I think they have some bright spots. Aiden Olmstead had a much better last two games, had four assists and five assists in the last two, seven points against Rutgers. Um, and so they've started to figure it out. But I think it's very – and just kind of like the Hawks are starting to figure it out. But I think some of the intensity not quite there to start the year that they had at the end of May where they proved to be one of the top eight teams in the country. Yeah, the hope for Loyola now is to get it done in conference play. And yeah, that's the, what it and is. And right now the, the Patriot League hasn't necessarily proven that they've been ready as a conference to start this season for one reason or another. They've struggled. Um, we've talked about this on the show before. So there are other teams involving. Boston University has been themselves propelling them, pushing forward into the conversation for sure. They have had a really good start to this year. I don't want to dismiss them, but the favorites we saw going in in Lehigh and Army with a couple of uh, head scratchers, yeah. you know, going into the year. So for when it comes to Loyola, certainly you, you have maybe look for you have to look forward to seeing how are we getting ready for the conference play right now because they can flip the switch really quickly there. The Hawks, I'm not really sure what's going on in the East with the Nets and the 76ers. Got and a all lot of that. stuff. Because there's a little confusing there, but I I think that Loyola, Loyola, I, I can speak in that. There's lane. a way. Loyola, there's a way for them to get back on track. I don't know. If, I think the Hawks might be a little bit behind the eight ball there. For the Greyhounds, something to keep an eye on is the goalie position. Sam Schaefer did not start against Rutgers. It was Luke Stott who got the starting goal. Schaefer came in and closed the final 20 minutes, gave up four goals, six saves. Same number of saves as Stott had in the first 40. Keep an eye on that goalie position. Obviously, Charlie Toomey, a goalie himself. So he pays a lot of attention to the crease and probably knows goalies better than almost anybody else in terms of head coaches and college yeah. lacrosse. Keep an eye on that spot because Schaefer was obviously one of the major reasons they made a run. So maybe last couple of games not playing the entire game, a bit of a wake-up call for Schaefer to, to see if he can get back to form. And you don't necessarily have to win the games in February. You, you don't. Have to, you have to get better in February as well. So you for can't sure. count anybody out just yet. You just have to know that it's March now. Now is the time. Let's go. All right. Uh, speaking about now's the time, you mentioned the Sixers. They're my next comparison Ooh, I'm coming really, I'm up really, here. I'm, I'm doing well over here. Let's go with Georgetown and the Philadelphia Sixers because – if you remember back to the end of last year in college lacrosse, Georgetown was a team to beat. They smoked Syracuse in the first round yeah. of the NCAA tournament. Everyone's thinking, oh, maybe they're the team to beat Virginia. And they went out and laid a bit of a clunker in the quarterfinals, one that they obviously would love to have back. Virginia goes on to win the national championship. Very similar to the Sixers. They came out of the first round. Things were starting to open up for them. They got the Hawks, who took care of the Knicks. And, it seemed like everything was going to be okay for the Sixers, and then that Hawks series, they collapse. Hawks go on to lose in the Eastern uh, Conference Finals. So to me, for both the Sixers, who is my NBA team, and for Georgetown, there's a lot of, okay, like what you're doing right now. Sixers won the first couple of games with James Harden. They look great. But it's, you got to prove it to me at the end of the year. More so than, we, we talked about the Maryland Phoenix Sunset thing. More so than them. So for both the Sixers and for Georgetown, it's what are you going to do at the end of the year and the, when things start to get tight and when these games really, really matter? Can you peak at the right time and can you get it done on, on that level? Because at this point, like, 
Georgetown's win over Notre Dame, really impressive. Owen McElroy, yeah. 24 saves against the Irish. Those are like NLL save numbers. <laughs> I mean, that's insane. 24 <laughs> saves. on a bad night, but yeah, I get your, I get your drift. Right, yeah. I mean, 30 <laughs> is more likely, but for a college still, lacrosse game, 24 is saves is a lot. That is the opposite end of the spectrum for sure. <laughs> and James Riley wins 21 of 29 at the faceoff. Yeah. So that combination, when you have great faceoff play and great goal goalie play I mean everything else just kind of takes care of itself you put the defense in front of uh, McElroy who's saving the saving the ball like that and then you're getting extra possessions for an offense that is proving to be able to put up numbers this team is really really dangerous but like the Sixers prove it to me at the end of the year it's it, I'm cautiously optimistic about this Georgetown team that they are a legit top three national championship contender but until they get to championship weekend there is still this thing in the back of the, my mind that says let's wait and see I don't know I I don't know if I'm on board with that one just because you look at the season going in you're like Georgetown plays a tough schedule they're playing that tough schedule and they're winning these games and yeah. they're winning them and we've I talked about this a little bit before we know the style of Georgetown sort of the, the gritty grinded out deal but they also can put up some num some numbers and I remember last year they won a couple games I think they scored 19 18 19 yeah. goals something like that and they did that again against Notre Dame. And you go out and, and you score 16 goals against Notre Dame. Notre Dame, an offensive team, even if you don't have 24 saves by McElroy, I mean, you're still winning by two or three goals. So it feels like I think Georgetown has proven their worth. And I know okay. it's happened in February. I know you can't take a lot from that. But the schedule is still really difficult. And they've already beaten teams that have proven that they've been able to get it done. And – I, I would put Georgetown right in there. Championship weekend, the, the final, the whole nine yards right now. I'm not going to overreact, but at the same time, it's like, well, they've played a tough schedule, and they've passed those tests. Yeah. So I mean, it's hard not that, to. Those are tests. Just, just because they yeah. haven't made it to the final doesn't mean they haven't passed any tests, and they have. You're and right. They, and they look good doing it. It's not like they've scraped by, gotten lucky. They've looked really good doing it, too. No, for sure. I mean, their three wins stack up with anybody's wins in the country as the best. Yeah. I mean, they've beaten Penn, who we just saw beat Duke. They've beaten Notre Dame on the road, both of those games on the road, and they've got a win over Hopkins at home. I mean, I don't know if there's anybody who's got three better wins than that. Right, which is different the than the 76ers right who haven't beaten anybody with, with, with James, James Harden. Harden. You're right. So. You know, that win over the Timberwolves yeah. and, and the Knicks. No, you know, They've whatever. looked good doing it. So that one's a little. So anyway, we, anyway, moving we'll, on. We'll find out more about the Sixers later. But my team, I'm feeling pretty good with, with James Harden. He looks slender, Ooh, which, that, is, I, which is good. He's in shape. It's that, amazing what happens I, I when you get go what that you want. All right. He's uh, an amazing athlete. Let's go to an individual player here in college lacrosse. I'm going to go with Chris Gray from North Carolina coming off a huge game this weekend against Hopkins. And to me, he's kind of like the John Morant oh, okay. right now yeah. of college lacrosse. Because if you look at North Carolina, we've hit on this in the first couple of weeks of the season. One of the reasons for some of the struggles it feels like early on is they, they're trying to figure out who are some of the other pieces that are going to be the guys that help Chris Gray throughout the year. And I think that's very similar to how Memphis is starting to figure it out around John Morant. Because like we saw it last night, John Morant goes off for 52 and they win. But he can't do it all for an entire postseason run. Yeah. Chris Craig scores seven goals against Hopkins, and they win. But he can't do it all if they're going to get back into the championship weekend conversation. As we've seen in the beginning part of this year, they struggled a little bit with Brown earlier this week. So, to me, both are in a very similar situation. But when they are on, they are must. When, both of them. When he's on. 
Here, I, when, but Gray, that, when Gray I'm, is on, yeah. North Carolina is on. If he's off, you better watch out because right. you're, they're going to struggle. And and that's what I'm saying. Exactly. Like, when Chris Gray or John Morant are on oh, and they're playing their they? best, yeah, okay. it's must-watch TV. Yeah, absolutely. Like, we yeah. saw Morant like hitting the buzzer beater, dunks. Chris Gray, the, the goals he's scoring and his ability to distribute when he wants to, to me, it's fantastic lacrosse. It's so much fun to watch. He needs to be on for North Carolina to be great, much like with Morant and the Grizzlies. Yeah, that was an interesting game. I, I was a little disappointed in Hopkins on the defensive end. I thought they could have put more pressure. I thought that Carolina had a lot of freedom in that game and graded too. Yeah. They had a lot of hands-free, uh, step-down, like open looks. And obviously, this is a product of North Carolina, what they were doing offensively. But um, you see some of these other teams, I think Brown is an example of that, were a little bit tougher on Carolina and yeah. got in their face a little bit. I don't know what the John Morant comparison is that, but <laughs> I just feel like that's what you have to do to North Carolina. But when you give Chris Gray the freedom, he's going to find people. He's going to find himself in situations where he can score and put up some major highlights. Yeah, uh, for Gray, second game of eight-plus points so far this season. He's been one of the top scorers so far this year. The other one was against Richmond when he had four and four. When you look at this North Carolina lineup and the guys that are behind him, I look to guys like Lance Tillman and Cole Herbert, who are some of the younger guys. When you look at their stats, it feels like they need to be bigger contributors if yeah. North Carolina is going to be successful. They've had a couple of guys contribute, uh, but you've got to fill some of those holes from a midfield unit that was really good last year that they relied on along with Gray. There's some holes to fill. Carolina still figuring it out. Not to say that they won't figure it out soon, but they've got some. They've got talent. It's just who's going to fill in those roles. Yeah, Tyre R played well. Um, I think that was a big thing for them against Hopkins as well in that yeah. game. But yeah, that was good. So there you go. Those are my uh, right. NBA, we'll NCAA back. comparisons. No we'll LeBron. No LeBron type. I, I stayed away from <laughs> LeBron. Well, <laughs> no. because LeBron, you need like a seventh year guy. You need a vet. <laughs> Anybody that can compare. play with his son in like five years. <laughs> <laughs> Adam right. Charlambides, if he was still at Rutgers, could have been the LeBron. Yeah, Sorry, Adam. Great. Um, all right. Anyway, let's, uh, uh, women's game. Let's no, move no, on. no. We're transitioning. The big win for Penn State, Yale over Yale. And uh, we're uh, going to be joined. Oh, okay, yeah, we'll go to, we'll get to the women's stuff after. Yeah, give us a sec with the women's stuff. We're now joined by Penn State goalie Alaric Fayok coming off the 21-save performance against Yale. So coming off that big game this weekend against Yale, we've got Penn State goal, goalie Alaric Fayok joining us now. Uh, hey, man, huge game for you. And it has to feel like almost like a weight off of this team's shoulders after some of your struggles early on. Like, take me back before the game. Like, in the locker room, your guys' belief against a really good Yale team. What was the feeling going into this past weekend's game? Uh, it was just excitement. You know, we were ready to get down on the field, you know, you know, just play the best that we could. And, you know, like, we had a great game plan coming in, and we believed in it. We trusted in it. And, you know, we just stayed to our game plan, and it just worked our way. We were just really excited, especially at halftime. We were like, we can do this. We can still – we're still in this. And, you know, it just went our way, and we loved it. Did you change anything from what you had been doing earlier in the season, game plan-wise as a team? Uh, there's a few things. Uh, we just changed a little, little minor things, little details, and it really went a long way, especially in this game. Besides that, we just kept playing our game, kept stick, sticking to it and staying confident. So more than 20 saves for you in this game against Yale. What kind of zone were you in? Yeah, I would say a uh, zone I, I've never been in before. Um, <laughs> No, it was it was just exciting. Like I, after the game, I was like, "Oh wow, I actually just did that." 
And I was like, where can I find this again? You know? So it was, it was, uh, it was awesome. Um, I can't really describe it. I was just there in the moment and just seeing everything. So it was great. I was going to follow up with, like, is there a game that's ever been close to that where you just, it's like you just, I mean, I know you can't describe, like, when you see the ball, does it look like a beach ball? Like, how how could you figure out, like, how did you know that was going to be that kind of performance? Uh, I don't really know. I mean, I was just seeing the ball real well coming out the stick, and I was just making the right moves, you know. It was just everything fell my way, which is really not what happens to a goalie, but it just happened that day, and it was awesome. is there something that's clicked for you this year? Because you, you started really slowly, to be honest. I mean, Lafayette, I think you only made two saves in that game. Obviously, that was a struggle for you guys. But double-digit saves in your last four games. 13 against Villanova, 15 against Vermont, 15 against St. Joe's, now 21 against Yale. After that, those first couple weeks or whatever, did something change for you personally or what you were doing in practice mindset-wise? You know, no, I just, you know, I still, I just stuck to it. You know, obviously the Lafayette game was a rough game for me personally. And I just went back to work and kept, you know, kept trying to get better. And, you know, I just felt like that's what happened. I got better. And I, like you said, over those four games, uh, a lot more saves than I did that Lafayette game. And I just kept, you know, building off that momentum. So it was great. Obviously, you go to Penn State and you know that there are expectations, especially with after what the program's done the last couple of years. And you struggle a bit early on. What does this Yale win do for you guys in terms of just belief in the locker room, knowing you've got plenty more tests like it coming up uh, here down the stretch? Yeah, I mean, it just, I mean, it really puts things into perspective. Like, we really got to take each game one at a time, you know, focus on our opponent and not get ahead of ourselves. And, you know, and when we do that, we can stick with these teams that are, you know, that are ranked higher than us, who are supposed to be better than us. And, you know, we, we have a fighting chance. You know, um, I think I read a couple of articles where it talked about your brother Caleb and how excited he has been for you in the past. And you made that great uh, debut game against Ohio State last year and a goalie family. Tell us, take us inside that dynamic with your father and Caleb. I know your mother's a big lacrosse fan. Uh, what's it like kind of living that life? Yeah, it's, uh, it's great. But there's also a lot of competition, you know, between me and my brother. And, um, you know, we compete in everything, whether that's goalie or you know playing other sports video games whatever it is so it's very competitive but at the end of the day you know we all love each other you know we just hope we all do the best and you know no matter what team we're on so it's really competitive it's awesome was there ever a thought of being anything other than a goalie like it or was that just it you you get a lacrosse stick and it wasn't a normal one it was it was a goalie stick yeah at a young age uh i played midfield and i was not good at it so they put me at goalie (laughs) and I mean, I just stuck with it. It was, it was, I liked it. So here I am today. When you're home, do you, do you shoot on each other? Or like, how does that work when you practice, you know, with your dad and your brother and everything like that? Yeah, so, I mean, I was fortunate enough to go to a, a pretty good high school. I have a lot of friends there who play Division One, Division Two lacrosse. And, you know, we just have a big group group chat, text, and we, do, we all get together and shoot, just have a good time at the end of the day. So that's where I get most of my stuff done when I'm not here on campus. Uh, at home and my dad helps me out a lot you know he coaches me he's a goalie coach at my brother's high school as well and you know he's he's been he's been great for a man who has not played lacrosse ever he's a great goalie coach he's learned a lot you know and he knows what he's talking about so I go to him for a lot of help as well yeah it's got to be really fascinating for you to watch as someone that's grown up a little bit more in the sport to see him getting immersed in that and he's got a lot of respect uh, you know from around the country of goalies and and people like that what's that like for you to sort of be in this world and see your dad you know delve himself into that and and become so good at it too 
I think it's it's amazing. Like I've never seen something like that before, and to see it firsthand is just crazy. You know, he's come, you know, from watching us play, you know, as small kids, and now he's like, you know, on the sidelines coaching, you know, and he's and he's he's a credited person. Like he knows what he's talking about. It's just awesome to see where he's come from, and you know, me and my brother's journey with him, and so. I mean, it's just amazing, like something I'll never forget. You bring up your brother committed to Ohio State in 2023 here. His, I believe his social media nickname is Big Tasty. He's <laughs> 6'1", 265, big guy. What was your reaction yeah. when you found out that that was what he was known as? <laughs> well, uh, he's he's been called that since he was young. Yeah. Like, really, Big Tasty, yeah, he's always been the biggest guy on the field. You know, he always shows a lot of character. He's just... He just attracts attention, and it's the right attention. Sometimes it could be the wrong attention, but it's always <laughs> usually always the right attention. So, yeah, he's a he's a great kid. He brings the energy, and you know he's a fun person to be around. How do you let him commit to Ohio State when you're at Penn State, man? <laughs> like, that's like that is like the cardinal rule. No. Yeah, they, you're gonna talk to my parents about that one. I <laughs> I, I took a I took a step back on that. <laughs> I'm I'm happy for him. Wherever he lands, I'll support him no matter what. But you do seem like but, different people, right? Where different places would probably attract you guys in a different way, I'd imagine. Yeah, and maybe Ohio State was probably the best fit for him, you know, just outside of lacrosse as well, and Penn State was the best fit for me, so no complaints on this side. I'm happy for him and whatever happens, happens. Uh, speaking of, of Big Tasty, uh, you got a you got a great creamery there on campus. What's your go-to flavor ice cream there at the creamery at Penn State? Uh, I like the Death by Chocolate. It's really chocolatey, really rich. I, I I I can eat it all day, but I try to stay away from it. Yeah, I was going to say. I mean, how many trips we how many trips a week are we talking about? Uh, recently hasn't, hasn't been any, but yeah. I know my past past years it's been like maybe three times a week. I was like it's bad. <laughs> bad even bigger tasty yeah it's tough to <laughs> yeah. stay away yeah. hey uh one more about lacrosse here is you guys get ready to head down to charlotte a, a big game for you and another ivy league team that's very good coming off a big win against duke and penn what kind of confidence do you take away what do you take away from the yale win knowing you got another test in a in a neutral site venue this weekend yeah, I know. We just, we, you know, we just take uh, take away the confidence that we had in that game, you know, and just bring it to the next one. You know, uh, this game against Yale was huge for us, especially for the locker room. The locker room feel like everyone's excited, you know, wants to compete, you know, every day. You know, we just like to get back to work, and you know, especially for this this game we have coming up. I mean, we're putting in the same amount of work we put in for Yale, and maybe even more. You know, we're just excited to get back out there and compete, and uh, you know, hopefully come out with the win. Do you feel like you're a part of maybe trying to put together, you know, another step in the legacy that is that program after, of course, Mac O'Keefe now has moved on, Grant Amen, and those guys, Colby, as you know, is a goalie, Canise as well back there. Do you feel like you're trying to take that a step forward now in this maybe new iteration of what Penn State lacrosse will look like beyond some of those those old legends? I mean, yeah, I mean, we we always uh, want to play for those who came before us and those who come after us. So, I mean, my our job is just to set the stage for the people that come after us, you know, and that's what the people who did before us did for us. So, you know, we're all on the same, same level. We all have the same goal, obviously just win the national championship, but at the end of the day, you know, just leaving it better than we found it, you know, no matter, no matter who it is. 
Well, uh, you guys got a, a big win this past weekend. It was fun to watch you perform. Uh, I'm, for your sake, I'm hoping you're locked in again because that has to be like the most fun zone you've ever been in. Congrats on the big win, and we're looking forward to seeing you in Charlotte this weekend. Good luck. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. So great stuff there from Alaric Fayok. Yeah, uh, good to get to know a goalie. You know, once again, cool the family dynamic, and Very cool. even within their own families, goalies are different. You That's know? true. <laughs> they're, like, yeah. they're like snowflakes, Travis. Each one has is very unique in nature. That's one way to put it. I've never heard of that comparison, snowflakes yeah. to goalies, but... Each, each one is very special. Okay. Anyway, uh, let's go to the women's game now. I don't even know how to transition Okay, there. let's do um, this. We're going to do some tiers here. Uh, we, you look at the rankings, not too many surprises, I really feel like, uh, no. in, in the top of the, the rankings so far. I, I, when I was doing the, the rankings for Inside Lacrosse earlier this week, it, it just felt like there were a lot of just copy and paste from one week to the next in terms of yeah. people and, and where they are because we haven't seen a lot of a shakeup in really the top eight, nine, ten since Michigan jumped in there. It's, it's felt like a very similar group. Yeah. So we're going to do some uh, tiers here. And our tiers are essentially like, all right, tier one are teams that you think can compete for championship weekend and win a national championship. Tier two is like, all right, quarterfinal type team. Maybe they can make a push to the in the championship weekend, but they're not at this point of the year. You don't feel like you're convinced they can win a title. And then if you, I think you have a tier three of some other teams that you think are in the mix. Yes, that is all true. So, all right. So who do you like in tier one? So what's the so tier one? I I got the top four. I cut it off after that. So you think Maryland, Syracuse, North Carolina, BC, out of those four, there's not one other team in the country you could see winning a national championship. Those are right all now. championship contenders in my mind. Locks. Teams okay. that I think can win a title this year. So for me, I look at these rankings and I struggled in terms of where to split it. And I think Stony Brook belongs in that, that top-tier conversation. Interesting. The Seawolves going to Syracuse, losing by two – I've to essentially to open up their season, I think told us a lot about where they are. And I think give them a, a little bit of time. I think this Stony Brook team is going to be a team that will be in that top four conversation. So I've got Stony Brook in my top tier. I think they're a championship weekend team. Yeah, I, I in, in my second tier. Okay. I just don't I don't know if they can beat those four teams, Boston College. North Carolina, I, I think that Syracuse was their best shot, okay. I think, for the most part there. And then Maryland is, is a team in my top four because of how good they've looked this year and the fact that they've been to championship weekend every other year but last year. So we've talked about this before in the show, but Maryland is in my top four for that reason. We know their history, and they look really good this year. <laughs> they have they got, do look really I mean, good. St. Joe's 20-6. to six. Virginia was a little close at times. They pulled away at the end, 17-13. They beat Florida 18-8. to eight. That's a team That was that, a dominant. That's a team win. that North Carolina struggled with a little bit. They, didn't, yeah. they only won that game by like four. That's North Carolina, but that was a close game throughout. So Maryland is right there again in my mind as They're a back. championship contender. I like Stony Brook as, as a team that can make championship weekend. I just don't know. I'm not completely – Satisfied, like you got to believe that. Okay, Stony Brook beats who in the quarterfinals? So you have to think about the draw they're going to get as well. Because I bet Stony Brook won't get if I have Maryland as a four seed here. Probably not going to get Maryland. Unfortunately, Stony Brook has not gotten good draws over the years for one reason right or there. another. So you're playing if you're Stony Brook, a team like 
Probably North Carolina or Boston College, depending on how where everyone fits fits in that situation. Okay, that's yeah, that's to get to the Final Four. Yeah, no, I think that's a difficult thing. It, to me, the how they competed against Syracuse and what I've seen from them, I feel like is a team that on any given day could beat a Syracuse or a Maryland. I don't know if their talent quite stacks up to North Carolina and Boston College. If you're splitting up the tiers, I, I think especially from what we've seen so far. I, Maybe BC and North Carolina are in a tier of all of their own, like the top tier of tier one. But I think if you, when you include Syracuse and you include Maryland, I think Stony Brook has done enough in terms of just what they've done over the last stretch of time. I, I just, I think they're in that conversation of that next little group that is in the championship weekend. So they are in that top tier for you. Yeah. How many That's teams do you have in your top tier? Five. Five. They're, they're, they're the, the top five. They're, they're the, the top five. Okay. Team. They're the top five. Yeah. All right. So let's go from there to the second tier. Okay. So you'd have after Stony Brook. I have Northwestern in that. Yep. Duke. I like Loyola as well. Okay. I, I think that Loyola, they've got a lot of experience this year. They're ninth in the country right now. They beat Johns Hopkins 14 to 5. They beat Towson 13-11, to a tough Towson team rivalry there. They got Rosenzweig and Fielder back. Caitlin Larson, a graduate goalie. They are a team that maybe could beat that four-seed Maryland, you know, if it comes down to a tough quarterfinal. They played last year. They lost against Syracuse in the second round of the NCAAs. Tough draw, 20-8. to But given the opportunity, I think Loyola has an ex the experience to maybe be the next, get try to make that jump to that next tier if given the right circumstances. I really think they, they could be a good team this year. So you have essentially Northwestern, Duke, Loyola in the next tier. Do you include Michigan? In Michigan that? is not in that tier. For okay. Me. They haven't played. Now we've seen a little bit more of Notre Dame. That win, unfortunately, for Michigan doesn't look as good. Because yeah. Notre Dame, you can see, they're a work in progress. I think that maybe at the end of the year, Notre Dame could surprise the people in the ACC. Who knows who they could beat? But in that point, at this part of the season, the Michigan win over Notre Dame for me doesn't look as good anymore. You know, that's just the way it is. And other than that, they haven't played a great schedule. Right. So until Michigan starts getting into the meat part of their Big Ten, then maybe we'll find out more about them. And hopefully we will. I, I had that written down, too. I the, That Notre Dame win that looked really impressive when it happened, and one of the reasons they are number eight in the country right now, I, it doesn't look quite as good. Though Notre Dame competed against Syracuse really well this past weekend. They did. They did. They did do that. Like, My, like I said, I feel like they're a work in progress, and that they were at that point, too. They struggled a bit to start, and then they did compete well. You can't dismiss that from Notre Dame. That's a good point. The one thing I, I'm very interested to see is how does Michigan, because I don't think they're quite as good as Maryland. My question is, how do they stack up against Northwestern? Because I mm -hmm. think if you look at what we've seen so far this year, Maryland with uh, Aurora accordingly coming in and all the talent that they had already, looks like they're probably the best team in the Big Ten again. Northwestern, I think if they had Izzy Skein, would be right there with Maryland. Without her, they're still trying to figure it, all, figure it all out offensively. So I think the question is, if Maryland's number one, can Michigan compete with Northwestern for that second-best team in the Big Ten? Yeah. And that, I, that to me, is going to be fascinating. Uh, full disclosure, this is being taped before the Syracuse-Northwestern right. game. Right, which can tell which us a whole today. lot. So we'll react to that on Thursday. That'll yeah. be our midweek moment, I'm sure, in some way, shape, or form. But if Northwestern goes and wins, I know it's all moot at this point. Right. But that's something else to consider in these conversations. I like Loyola in this tier. I would also include Princeton. Yes, in this, in this second tier because they're 2-0 to start the year. They've got a, a really good-looking win over Virginia on the road. It, Virginia has played a gauntlet, by the way. Um, they're there to me are right in that 
edge of tier two, but with what they've done so far this year, I don't think you can include them in here. So I would include Princeton in this in this second tier for me. So I, I like Northwestern, Duke, Loyola, and Princeton in tier two. Okay. Yeah, I think I can see that as well. You, you know, you wonder which one of those teams could find themselves in the championship weekend. Obviously, you've got to take one out. And I think that Duke does have that potential. You know, obviously, we'll talk to Cat Berry in a moment here. But if they can indeed score the way they're scoring now, and you have to throw in the wild card to Maddie Jenner as, yeah. as their draw control specialist, probably the best in the country. She was She's won at every other level of her life. And if Duke can get the ball enough on offense, I mean, they can score with anybody. And that could be a great equalizer when it comes down to it. So don't look past Duke. I think that maybe Duke has gone a little bit un underrated. They haven't played a lot of great teams, yep. but they will be tested against Syracuse this weekend. So looking for them as well. There was another team I wanted to put in my okay. second tier until this afternoon at like 1.30 when uh, Drexel, the Dragons, man. Like, they were going to be my team in the second tier. I'm like, yeah, they're 15th in the nation now, but, they, they, you know, look out for them. They've they've got this group back. They got blasted by Navy. Not blasted, but Surprising. it was it wasn't a very close game against Navy today. And it was at so home. It was a bit of a head-scratcher. So, Drexel was a team I really wanted to put in there, but unfortunately, they dropped the ball today, and, and that happens, as we know, and those are some of the things. I mean, I think Loyola last yeah. year lost a couple of games earlier. Drexel lost a game to Loyola early in the season last year and then went out and went on this big, long run. So maybe this could be that wake-up call that Drexel needed. So they were a team I wanted to put in that second tier. They just didn't make the cut. I've got right on the edge, I like Denver. I think uh, Florida can be in that mix despite the losses to Maryland and North Carolina because I, I think when they play some of the – if you look at teams that they would play in, in Tier 2, I think they can compete. Yeah. Um, and Virginia, look, they've played a really tough schedule, but they've also competed against some of these teams. So I, I think keep an eye on on Virginia, Denver, and Florida. Yeah, and that, I, I think do, I think mix. Virginia. I know they've lost their three games, but they could definitely beat some of these teams. Oh, in the second for sure. Tier. Like yeah. I can see them be, go out in there and being a Duke. We get to see that a Loyola for sure. Virginia can make their way up to that next section um, when it comes to my mind as well. Yeah. So there you go. There's, those are your tiers. Anything else to add? No, that is, that's that's my tiers. And my my third tier sort of ends after Rutgers, and then okay. it goes after that. Maybe Notre Dame could be in that third tier at some point. Or Vanderbilt. Um, like they, Vanderbilt. They're in that conversation too. Yeah. But, um, it sort of ends after Rutgers if you're looking at the rankings for sure. Drexel, I guess, if you're looking for 15 and down. But, yeah, I, I think that the, those middle tiers are fascinating, as are, is the top. And I think that's what's going to make this the rest of the season really interesting because we're going to start to get into conference games here soon. Yeah. Uh, like a more regular conference schedule. Well, and I think that's going to separate a lot of people. I mean, when you have the top three teams in the country are all in the mm -hmm. same league, you get some fireworks. ACC, man. That's how it works. It's going to be wild. It's going <laughs> to be a lot of fun. Uh, speaking of a lot of fun, Duke has been a ton of fun. If you like offense to watch so far this year and, and one of their top scorers so far, Cat Berry joins us now. So we're joined by Duke's Cat Berry now. And Cat, I mean, we got to start by asking, what an offense. Best in the nation. You guys are killing it this year. What's been what's making you so productive? Yeah, I think right now it's just our depth. We've been putting up a lot of points and that's, you know, coming down to productivity across the board. I think we've been um, very fortunate to have a lot of players step up from the midfield down to attack. So, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. We're, we're putting up a lot of points. We're, we're gaining some momentum. So we're, we're excited. I think I think I would attribute it to our depth right now. Hmm. Obviously, you guys are off to a fast start to the season, undefeated, entering this big weekend uh, matchup against Syracuse. 
I wonder if you look back at, at last year and the end of the NCAA tournament, obviously not the result you wanted against Northwestern, and they put up 22 goals on you. What kind of motivation does that bring in for so many players that you have coming back when you came into this year looking to, fa to start fast? Totally. I mean, I think it just shows it's within reach for us. I think each year uh, I've been here, we've been progressively getting better and getting closer to our ultimate goal, which is obviously a national championship. So I think having that taste last year, uh, getting into the tournament and getting to the Elite Eight has, you know, kind of given us some extra motivation as we head into this next ACC slate. Like we know what's on the line and we know what we want. Uh, so yeah, I definitely think it's been a, a motivating push for us. I know you probably don't look at this too much, but I mean, the, all those, these big performances probably as people talking about Duke a little bit more, you know what I'm saying? Because you guys maybe think, feel like after last year and making it that far, probably deserved that. You beat Maryland in the NCAA tournament for Pete's sake. Right. I think that, you know, our team has, our program, at least for the past couple of years, um, we've kind of been the underdogs. And I think that um, that's not necessarily, I think we have that mentality because, you know, we always come in um, preparing for each opponent, like, you know, nameless, faceless opponents type of thing. But uh, I think that having the confidence, you know, knowing that we can go all the way, we were, we were really close last year is kind of going to help, you know, put, elevate that underdog mentality in our next couple of performances. Yeah. I know you say nameless and faceless, but it's probably hard to ignore the talent around the ACC when you look up and in the stand in the rankings, you've got uh, the likes of Boston College, the reigning champs, Syracuse, North Carolina, your rivals, and Virginia's got a ton of talent. You, you look around, you're like, this has to be a gauntlet. What's it like competing in the ACC? I mean, it's a lot of fun. Like every game is, you know, it feels like the national championship. And I think we're so fortunate to have had, uh, you know, this level of comp competition over the past couple of years. I think it does get a little challenging when you go from out of conference games into ACC slate. It's obviously different. It's just a different beast. Um, but we always say that we play our best opponents every day in practice. So I think practicing with that mentality and stepping up every day and making sure we're, you know, pushing each other so that once we come to game time, like it's no big deal is, is, is has been our focus or at least our mentality over the past couple of weeks. You're, I mean, you're in your grad year now. Is, has your, your college career been what you thought? Probably not with COVID in the midst of all that, but uh, how would you describe the experience? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely not what I anticipated it being. Uh, I'm so fortunate I haven't... Um, you know, needed to take a red shirt or anything like that. But when COVID happened and opportunity was presented, like I jumped at it so quickly and we had six girls return within our class. So I just think that speaks to, you know, the program and the culture that we've established that Kirsten, the coaches have established, you know, we want to come back. Like no one was ready to leave. And, um, I'm so thankful for that because there was definitely more left in the tank um, after that year was cut short and, um, you know, things ended the way they did last year. So, yeah, no, it's been it's been it's been awesome. It's been um, it's been a good time. Speaking of experience, uh, this is the, the uh, there's a buzz on campus because it's the final game for Coach K and Cameron Indoor coming up this weekend against North Carolina. Have, have you had a cool Coach K experience during your time on campus where you've run into him or anything? Yeah, I mean, you see him around, especially near athletics. Uh, but last year, actually, before we headed to um, 
before he played Maryland and then headed to a Northwestern coach K came in and uh, he spoke to our team, which was, it was awesome. He came in and he talked about kind of having, you know, that, that mentality of like you're going in and you're winning and, and what has distinguished his program from other ones within the ECC. It was a really cool experience. One I will definitely never forget. Um, but yeah, there's also something special about just the one-off, you know, encounters you have with him. I mean, he's one of the best. So that's a that's a whole different part of the experience, right? Yeah. And that's that's why you go to Duke to see people like that, I'd imagine, you know? Totally. Totally. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like you know, they, they, did you because you were on campus with Zion and and all that, like do you have you had any cool experiences with any of the basketball team? Yeah, I I think that when you see them around campus, you have classes with them and and the guys and they're awesome. They're very like kind and welcoming and supportive of other athletes. I think that's something that's been really cool at Duke is that, you know, we have athletes supporting athletes like at, at, um, at all the games we go to. I mean, we stand in lines and walk up lines and, and students tend to get into basketball games, but you know, they come out to our, our, our games and into the other teams games. So, you know, it's just like a really cool community where, you know, we are among some of the, the most talented and, and bright, uh, student athletes in the country so it's it's been yeah it's been cool so at this point cat what's next for you you come out of california back to you know you're in the east coast you're going to go back west or what's the what's the plan here next yeah i think long term i'd love to end up in california i'm like such a sucker for some sunshine <laughs> and good weather uh, but right after college i'll be i'll be up in new york city working so congratulations yeah thank you it'll be a change of pace I think North Carolina has like, I've dipped my toe into cold weather. Uh, we get like a couple snow days um, a year, but uh, I'm intrigued to see how New York goes. Oh, just, just you wait. It is, you're in for a whole new experience. I mean, it won't be, I mean, you're playing a tough team, but the dome will be nice and warm. So, <laughs> I mean, up in Syracuse this weekend, at the very least. Outside, maybe not. So, bring a coat. Yeah. Yeah, the dome. We're excited for it. We haven't been back since my freshman year. Wow. Um, yeah, when we beat Q, so um, I'm excited to go back out there. So, yeah, I mean, look ahead to Syracuse. Like, obviously, it, uh, they are a, a team that's above you in the standings, a team that obviously is is next up on the docket for you. What do you look at when you, you see this program and, and what you guys are up against this weekend? Yeah, I mean, obviously, Syracuse is talented. Um, they have a really strong team, well-coached, well-led. Um, and there's a lot of respect going on there. Like we're preparing very hard for them, but at the same time, like we can only focus on ourselves um, and what's within our own control. And so, you know, just sticking to the Duke brand of lacrosse that we've been playing the past six games, um, we think will kind of be enough to get us, get us outcome we're looking for this weekend. Yeah. Probably a little more energy, I guess, now that you're going into the ACC again, like you said. Yeah. I mean, there's excitement, obviously. And we kind of finished the first third of our, of our season and heading into the back two thirds. Um, you know, we have some, some pretty intense competition between ACC, some of our outer conference um, games against Penn and, and stuff like that. So we're definitely, there's an added element of um, excitement and, and uh, yeah, energy going into these next couple of weeks. So uh, I'll finish up with this. You, you mentioned being in North Carolina was a different experience. Your brother Finn also went to North Carolina playing at High Point. How much did that like make going to Duke for you a little bit easier? Yeah, I mean, so Finn, he was actually at, uh, down in South Carolina at Furman, but um, oh, okay. 
yeah, he is just funny that we both ended up in the Carolinas from Cal, uh, California. Um, I, I think like seeing him do it, it I, I've always just looked up to him. I've always wanted to do exactly what Finn did. Um, I followed him. So we're from Napa, but we both went to high school in San Francisco. So we commuted about an hour and a half in two hours home every day. Um, and we did it for lacrosse. Like we've just always been so passionate about it. Um, and ultimately we needed to do that to get to where we were. Um, you know, at the collegiate level. So yeah, I think looking up to Finn and having his, him as a role model has been uh, really important to me. Uh, and yeah. Uh, take us inside those drives. I mean, that's a lot of time in the car together. Oh, so much time. It was easy my freshman year. So he's two years older than me and he would drive and I just could, you know, snooze in the <laughs> passenger seat. Got a little harder when he graduated my junior, senior year is driving myself. But um. Yeah, a lot of alone time, a lot of podcasts, a lot of music. So yeah, yeah. But it was worth it. <laughs> uh, that's a uh, a lot of memories made, though, right along yeah. the way. That's that's cool. Uh, Kat, we appreciate your time. Uh, thanks for coming on, and good luck this weekend. Safe travels up north. Thank you so much. Take care. So a uh, big weekend there in, in Duke land, big weekend for the lacrosse team as well. Big game against Syracuse. Thanks to Kat for taking some time. Yeah, it was um, fun. But we talked about how crazy it was, especially in the men's game in college lacrosse this weekend. The NLL yeah. got a little dose of that crazy, too. Yeah, so we had the Riptide beat the Rock, 14-13. Yep. Did not see that coming. And we had Panther City end up beating the Vancouver Warriors as well. Two teams at the bottom. We know that they're both working on themselves, but winning games <laughs> they weren't supposed to win. Self-care. And Albany, the Firewolves, have been a lot better than they were at the beginning of the yeah. season. They went to San Diego and won. What a weekend. And all the, like, a lot of one-goal games here. We had the Saskatchewan come and win and beat Colorado in overtime, 10-9. to Maybe the Rush are finally becoming the team that I thought they were going to be. <laughs> I already sold them in stock options. but So we were like, okay, we got to do power rankings today. And I'm going through. I'm like, there's nothing to switch. Like, we have one switch in our power rankings because everybody beat each other. And the teams at the top at the top are the ones that are going to stay at the top. Halifax so here you go. and the Bandits at the top. But there was only one change that we made, and that was the sixth and seventh teams. Albany, they go to sixth, and Vancouver goes to seventh. Albany beat at that win over San Diego, so that really bumped them up, and Vancouver had the bad loss to Panther City, really, at the end of the day. So that bumps them down. I mean, Albany, I mean, they could have been splitting hairs there. They also lost to Rochester a couple times back as well. So, so – Everybody's pretty much the same except those two. Yeah, so we still have Thunderbirds number one, Bandits two, Seals three despite the loss. Rock there sitting fourth, yeah. Mammoth five, and Firewolf six. So the Rock, if we're going to talk about what happened there, it's fascinating. They shot 52 times in that game. The Riptide just 35. The difference, Stephen Orlman. 52 saves in the game. Jeff Teat, four goals, three assists. He went off. Uh, Nick Rose pulled in that game. Yeah, that's not something 11 goals allowed about. and nine saves made. So interesting how that all um, transcribed or, per or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, uh, transpired. Transpired. Um, the thing for me, the Riptide did essentially what we thought would be the recipe for success for this team when they, they started the year. Jeff T, Callum Crawford combined yeah. for eight goals. Yeah. Like, if they do that, they should be, and especially if you get the game you, you get from Stephen Earlman, you should be in just about every game you play. The Rock, though, I, I don't think there's time to panic. Like, if Tom Shriver plays the way he did against the Riptide, they're going to win more than they lose. Three goals and five assists. He's been, he's been playing this way for, for a Captain while. America. He's been it, good. 
If he keeps playing like this, Toronto's going to be in the mix all the way through. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think there's nothing to panic about. No. It's a fascinating result. Yeah. This, it, that's this league. You know, and, oh, you never know what's going to happen on a given night. The one thing, the, the result that I want to uh, hit on here that I think may be a sign of more than just this week was San Diego losing to Albany okay. at home. Yeah. Because we still have the Seals there in the three spot in their power rankings. They're 6-2. It was their first loss since the first week of the season. But they haven't played anybody from the East. Right. And so, for me, and with the way they've restructured the, the, the divisions, that's obviously been meant more for travel. So, the West is playing the West. The East is playing the East. There's not as much crossover as we've seen in years past. And I think what it's starting to show us is that maybe the East is stronger. And that some of the top teams in the West, while they will end up in the playoffs in the West, I don't know if they are as good as the top-tier teams in the East. And maybe a team like the Rock, maybe the Firewolves, maybe those teams are have an edge over even some of the best teams in the West. I, I think this is more – you know, I don't think you're wrong, per se. It might be going a little too far in my estimation. I think this is more about Albany than anything else. Okay. And just what they've been able to do since they were blown out earlier in the year at home and they was looking bleak. But they bring in Ryan Banesh, two goals, six assists in that win. Doug Jamison, 45 saves. Joey Nardella, 24 for 29. Joe Resseteritz leads the league in points. He had seven assists. He has 66 points this season. They've played 11 games, more than about as much as anybody else. Yeah. But at the same time, they've got something cooking there right now. And they're playing pretty well on both sides of the ball. So I just feel like right now the Firewolves are playing their best lacrosse okay. of the season. That's, yeah. how I, that's my okay. perspective on this. And San Diego coming off a layoff, getting back in. Austin Stotts had some of the best goals you've seen all season long. Go check him out on the NLL Twitter page because he was unbelievable. Four goals, two assists, and I, I don't think – I'm not very worried about San Diego okay. after that. All I, right, that's fair. What if Austin Stotts is looking like Austin Stotts did when he first came into the league? The other result that, to me that stood out this week, the Rush finally getting another win. They beat Colorado in the, that back-to-back -back series. They played last weekend in Colorado, played this weekend in Saskatchewan. Desperately needed it. Robert Church finally providing a little bit of the spark offensively that we've been waiting for, five goals in that one. The question is, is this the result that gets Saskatchewan going in the right direction? I mean, you go to you got to go to the goalies here, Travis. This, okay. this is all about the goalies. Dylan Ward in the loss had 62 saves. What is, that's it. That's he's been unbelievable. Come that's, on. They still lost, I, though. I know they did, which means that the rush had the ball a lot. And then Mike Messenger went 22 of 23 at the faceoff. I know the faceoff doesn't mean as much in the NL. It means less in the NLL than any other league you'll ever watch in your life. But in this case, it did mean something because the rush had the ball a lot. They took a lot of shots, and Ward stopped them all, or almost all of them. But Eric Penny, the new pickup, 37 saves in this one. Brought not, him over from Not Philly. a huge day, but maybe giving the rush some consistency they need. That was the big question mark coming into the year for yep. Saskatchewan. They needed to fill that hole, didn't have any experience in goal, and now they've got someone, Eric Penny. Maybe okay. that can be the spark that drives them towards the end of the season. Be quite the story. Eric Penny going from backup in Philadelphia to starting for Saskatchewan and leading him to the playoffs. What a story. That would be a great story. Uh, so there you go. To round out the, the power rankings for people that are just listening to the show, Warriors at 7, Wings at 8, Rush off that win at 9 now, Nighthawks 10, Roughnecks 11, Swarm 12, and then Riptide and Panther City 
rounding out in 13th and 14th. Shout out Patrick Dodds. Three goals, four assists for Panthers. Your guy. A big win over Vancouver. Didn't you just sell his he, stock? He, I did sell him. He was, he was a part of my portfolio. I sold him during stock options last week, but I'm still okay. keeping an eye on him. You, know, you got to keep, you know, when your stocks, you let him go. You got to say, okay, when do I get back in on this train? I just wanted to say to Jake Elliott uh, that I did sell the Vancouver stock yes, before this happened. Hmm. So... I'm pretty happy about that one. I also bought Toronto before they lost to uh, to New York, but you're just breaking even. <laughs> you're just bre- you're sad even. We're, we're even working in the portfolio. We'll revisit <laughs> pound rankings in a bit and NLL stock options. But fun weekend in the NLL. So uh, yeah, so there you go. Some good midweek games. We'll break those down Thursday and get you ready for another great weekend. The first weekend in March. March is here, baby. The madness ensues even in college lacrosse. We'll see you on Thursday.